Welcome to Longest War. On this episode, we have Carissa Snedden, U.S. Air Force veteran. Most girls' idea of a really great job would include some travel, new faces, a good life, and most of all, a job that's important to someone besides herself. An impossible dream? Any woman in the Air Force can tell you how to find yourself in that ideal job. If you can qualify for these Air Force jobs, you can get specialized training in a skill that's yours for life. You can earn good pay while you're learning and you'll receive many extra benefits. Today is my first time recording a podcast with Longest War. My name is Lauren Del Ritchie, and I am a native of New Jersey and a U.S. Navy veteran. I joined the Veterans Breakfast Club about three months ago through a Mission Continues Fellowship, and uh, I've been given the opportunity to create a little more diversity within our podcast and bring in some female veterans, and I'm very excited to do so. Welcome, Carissa. We're so glad to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we'll start off pretty basic. Let's go back to the beginning of why did you decide to join the Air Force? Well, my brother was in the Army because he had done five years in college and not come out with a degree and joined the Army to pay off all his loans. And he was telling me, like, you have to join the military first, get that GI Bill, and then, like, you know, be debt free. And um, so I was listening to his advice, but he was like, but don't join the army. So (laughs) I was like, okay. And then um, on top of that, my best friend in high school, who is still my best friend, she just made tech sergeant actually, she was joining and I was like, "Ah, these colleges don't really want me. And I don't really know as a first generation trying to go to college, like what all I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it was a lot of just couldn't get a lot of advice from my parents. And so it was just a lot of like, well, this isn't working. And I don't know, I pretty much was like, well, I'm gonna join the military. Yeah, that's a smart reason to join because you do earn the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. And the GI Bill has done has gone through a lot of changes over the years. And the benefits are second to none on mm-hmm. this new version of the GI Bill. So you went into the Air Force. What was your job in the Air Force? Finance. So I'm sure they didn't call it a job. What are they? Because in you know certain branches, it's MOS. I was in the Navy. It was a rate. What do they call it in the Air Force? It was the AFFSC. And that stands for? I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember it was like 60X15 or something. I don't know. All right. So you went into finance. So were you an accountant or? Um, yes. Uh, the thing is, is that um, finance was, um, it's broad. I think a lot of career fields are like that you know, you're movable. So like, um, you're supposed to know all aspects of the job. At my first base, we were actually a tenant unit because it was an experiment to try to centralize all of finance. And so they were shipping 
everybody to South Dakota to get this done. And what it was, the goal was so that like, there would be no difference in regs from base to base because everything would come to this place. However, we interpreted the regs would be how it was. And then, you know, it would go back out. But the thing was, is it was not sustainable. <laughs> so, um, especially because at the time, um, you know, I, I joined in um, 2009, so it was about 2010, 2011, where we were really dealing with this. And uh, there was that whole Congress not passing the budget. And like, I remember seeing like s civilians, you know, freaking out about it on Facebook. And I'm like, why are you freaked out? Like, <laughs> none of the, you know, none of the civilians who worked for my office could come to work in, in this squadron of like 500, half of our force was civilian. So it's like, all right, here's 3000 travel vouchers and seven airmen go go right <laughs> so you were in south dakota when yes. this was happening so it sounds like there was a significant amount of pressure there in was this, tons in this of role. pressure okay yes i was i was not sleeping <laughs> oh man yeah wow so walk i'm curious walk me through like typical day of were you airman yeah airman, airman. Sneddon? yes airman Sneddon's day circa 2010 in south dakota what did that what did that look like for you Okay, uh, I was usually on alternative PT programs, so I had to work out every day. Most of the s squadron was more to their own discretion or like three days a week mandatory. Mine was every day. So I would go and there would be days where it was in the morning and there would be days when it was in the afternoon. But if it was in the morning, it was usually run three miles and working out till probably eight. Eight, eight is when I would have to get back into the office. So doing all that, um, I guess I was up at 5.30 to, you know, be at the gym. And then, um, so worked out like crazy, went to work. And because of this dilemma that we had with not having enough people and, you know, not really knowing what exactly we're doing with this new uh, initiative, it would be like 12 hour days, you know, whatever. It's like eight o'clock at night, I'm coming home. And then you're trying to like wind down and there's just, there's just no winding down. Like Right, I can imagine you would be thinking about the thousands of travel vouchers you had to process with your six fellow airmen the next day. Exactly. Right, so your mind's just going and going. Yeah, yeah. And so actually my, my friend Maya, like most of the time I would, I would call her up and like just talk to her about my days. She was such a, a rock for me. Like, oh. so. She, and but, this was your best friend who joined up. We were, we ended up in tech school together to learn our jobs. But at the time she was air traffic control. She's not air traffic control anymore. She washed out, but it was after she had gotten through all the schooling. And at the time I was in South Dakota and she was down in uh, Texas. Oh, okay. So, but we were in Biloxi for our training at the same time. And I feel like that was, it was helpful to have yes. your best friend there. And you said she's still in now? Yes. Do you wish you would have maybe stayed in alongside of her or are you? Um, well, the thing is, is that my final base was Whiteman in Missouri and I get out and I go to college in North Carolina and I'm living there and she, she was in Alaska at the time and she gets her orders Whiteman Air Force Base, Missouri. Oh, yes. So just we missed just it. missed each other. How so, about that? Yeah. I picked up when you were saying something about alternative PT. You were explaining to me how your fellow airmen, you know, they did it a few times a week, but it was incumbent upon you to PT every morning. Yes. So if you don't mind sharing about that and, and why that was a different expectation on you than it was everyone else. Even when I was in basic training, I was in fit flight 
which is um, they actually call, uh, you know, as a derogatory, they call it fat flight. But it ever it wasn't even about that at the time. It was honestly I couldn't do my push up sit ups or run. But I spent um, an extra five weeks in training and then I killed it. And for the rest of the time I was in, I could do push up sit ups run time every time never failed. But in 2010, new initiative came down where you had to meet minimums along with meeting the the overall score. And so what happened was the waist came down and you had to have a 35.5 inch waist if you were a female. What happened was if you didn't meet that minimum, it was a zero, so you automatically failed the test. Instead of like how it used to be when I had joined, it was, well, if you can really, you know, bust out push-ups, sit-ups, and run time, then, you know, your waist, the score will balance out. But once they put in those minimums, there, there was no safety for me. And so there were many times I failed by a quarter inch or half an inch. Ugh. And... I got reamed and I just, you know, a lot of a lot of pressure was put on me. And I remember I had finally passed. I had gotten an 83. I was so proud because like, you know, every everybody else is getting like 97. But I'm like, yeah. And I remember that the wing that I was in it was Oconus Travel at the time. <laughs> they had changed it where they were like, well, if you got an 80 or above, then you could get out of remedial PT. Well, then they were like, you have to have above an 85. Oh, right. And I was like, okay, because that's not completely against just me. <laughs> so you were in remedial PT for five weeks and then you said you killed it. No, I was in remedial PT off and on okay. because of the because of the failure. How long were you in the Air Force altogether? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. So on and off throughout these four and a half years, you definitely had higher expectations. Yeah. Um, because of the the mandates that they put on on females. Did that affect your life in any other way? I mean, I can I can imagine how that would be frustrating, especially these regulations that come down and you're like right there and you meet your goal and then they change it. Like, yes, I must have been really frustrating. It was because I had moved sections. First, I was doing separations and retirements. And uh, when I was in that section, those people were really supportive and, you know, they trained me well. But I, I was struggling being 19 away from home. Like, yeah. you know, I was struggling with those things. And, you know, I, I still was battling with the PT, but I had a really awesome friend who he was like, I'm, I, he was a PTL, so a physical training leader. Right. And he was like, all right, like, you know, if you got to be on the track at 6 a.m., I'll be there next to you, like running next to you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But then when I switched sections, they were like, well, he can't do that anymore because he's not your PTL. You know, my supervisor, he had a really difficult situation. And so he wasn't literally he wasn't at work because he had a really traumatic experience with a death in his family. And I was like, well, are you going to put me under different supervision so that I have somebody? And they were like, no, like, <laughs> no, it's all you had to self-motivate. Exactly. And so, you know, and so I, I did to the best of my ability. But, you know, there was a lot of pressure. I think that there were a lot of people they were stressed, too obviously, because like I said, the environment was just stressful. But I think there's just a lot of people who don't know how to motivate or they they think they're doing something good and they're not. I, I feel like I was fallen victim to to that just because, um, you know, people want to be like, oh, well, you know, it's a standard and you have to meet it and, and these things. And it's like, okay, I understand that, but it's also my body that you're, you know what I mean? Right. Disparaging. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's, it's, more personal, like the regulations are the regulations, but 
the effect is much more personal because yes. I mean it's like they're talking 35 and a half and 35 inch waist and you're like this is my belly you're talking yeah, about this exactly. isn't like just some regulation this is me so I can understand I mean I went through the same thing in the Navy I remember you know the chow wasn't so good in the mm-hmm. Navy so I didn't really have an issue with not you know eating so much I ate a lot of salad and white rice <laughs> a lot of it was just you know, on the ship was unedible. But I remember going into boot camp and having, I was running up and down the escalators in the mall with my girlfriends, Navy training, Navy training, like, (sighs) you know, just trying to get as skinny as I possibly could and as strong as I possibly could to meet those requirements. And I remember when I went in, I was like 169 pounds or something. I was like one pound within from, cause I'm, we're both tall. I'm five, nine, right? How tall are you? 5'11". 5'11". So it's a little bit different mm-hmm. when when you're taller, you know, because you carry your weight differently and you might not be the same proportions as a petite woman. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. And so, you know, and when I joined, I did meet the requirements because it was they changed them like, you know, my first year in. Like, right. <laughs> What am I supposed to do with that? So I know there was a lot of top down stuff. You know, we just had to roll with the punches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's let's think about what's um what's your happiest memory from the Air Force? You know, I have a lot of memories from my time in the service, very vivid ones. So I'm sure that you do, too. So mm-hmm. maybe share with us what's your What's your most positive memory from your time in? Well, at my first base, I, I had a lot of struggles. So my I would say that just by default, my happiest memories have to come from my second base because I feel like um, that's when I started. I don't know, like a lot of the things that kind of broke at that first base started getting fixed, you know, going back to church and, and just getting my life back on track. And when I was doing that, I had met this, this girl. And at the time, I was... Uh, I think I was just senior airman or I was about to be senior airman and she was still a senior airman and we started developing a friendship. Um, she eventually became a staff sergeant. We, uh, I remember saying to her, cause we were like, you know, in the office listening to Disney music and stuff. And I was like, if you didn't have three kids, we'd be best friends. And she gave me this look like, why can't we be best <laughs> friends? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. And I guess I just had in my mind, like, oh, people with kids, they don't want to hang out, you know. Right, right. But she did. (laughs) And, you know, and she, so, you know, she ended up having four by the time I was leaving. And I remember I was over there and it was around Christmas time. I would go over like every Friday night. And, um, you know, her husband was, you know, awesome. Like, it, it was just this great experience and they I would always knock but they were always like just come in like we know you're coming and so I go over and they're setting up the Christmas tree and she has like a 10 year old and eight year old and like a two year old and a six month year old and one of the one of the older girls was like mom I thought you said that only family can decorate the tree and my friend says well Miss Carissa is family oh yeah oh that is a happy memory (laughs) yeah yeah. So, so creating surrogate families, probably we could do a whole separate podcast about that I know, right? and the culture and what that becomes. Cause I feel like some of the, some of the people I still served with, I can call my sisters. Yes, or, absolutely. You know, definitely family. Yeah. Let's, let's flip the coin a little. <sighs> and what about, you know, there's, there's always challenges that come with serving. So what would you say is like your least fondest memory from the Air Force? Well, that. Like, that's definitely my first base. And and the thing is, like I said, with the PT, like not realizing how damaging that they were being towards me. I What happened was I had failed a PT test. And I remember that 
it was one of the few that I didn't um, rub preparation H on my stomach and saran wrap the night before. And I just thought like, I've been working out, you know, every day, like, like, I don't need this. Like I can do this without it. And so I failed by like that quarter inch again. And I never, I always preparation aged after that. Let's pause there with with the hemorrhoid cream and the saran wrap. Explain that to me before we go deeper into this memory, because I'm feeling like you're talking about it shrank you. Is that what happened? Yes. You put the hemorrhoid cream on your stomach and then you wrap yourself in saran wrap and you go to sleep and it shrinks you so that you're smaller in the waist. It makes it harder to run. Let me take a note of that real quick. Preparation. <laughs> yeah. How about that? And that had worked for you in the past? Yeah, yeah, wow. because it, it gets rid of your water weight. Oh, okay. And so. Okay, so you didn't do that the night before this. Yeah, and so, so I didn't do that. And so I was just feeling like, oh, I didn't do everything I could have done. Like I already was, you know, beating myself up and, I got pulled into the commander's office um, and he was a major, you know, I had to do the whole like reporting statement. I think I was in my blues, like it was a big deal. And he's, you know, yelling at me and he's doing all this stuff. And at one point I'm standing there at attention as he's yelling at me and my supervisor standing there. And he says, um, he says, what's the difference between a worthless human and a worthless airman? And I go to answer like, sir. And he's like, that was rhetorical. He said, if you're a worthless airman, you're a worthless human and you're worthless. And now granted, all of this is based on, again, my body. (laughs) And so, and I remember I was so crushed, but I remember I was like, I will not give him the satisfaction. I will not cry. So I didn't until I got back to my cube and then I was like sobbing uncontrollably. And eventually that got back to him and they're like, um, you need to, you know, you need to talk to her again because like you broke her. Absolutely. And um, so the next day I got pulled back in the office. He's like, I was just trying to motivate you to get angry and prove me wrong. And I was like, no. We would have gone a little bit of a different way with that boss, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> so was his intentions good or bad? I don't know. You know, was he just mad and wanted to ream somebody out? Who knows? But like, I know for me, it was it was very damaging. And that that moment started a spiral because there were some other weird things. Because like I said, it's a tenant unit. So we weren't under the command of the overall base, which okay. is bad. Because Why is that bad? The rules are being kind of... The regulations you have like your own so you're not under the base command and so it's like too much control in one area mm. and so like you know there were things like i remember once my one supervisor he was like we're well, gonna work out twice a day not legal like right that's the, not even allowed to do that right? no <laughs> and like so you know they had to backpedal on that one and one of the things was we went to a um i think it was like a retirement you know, one of those mandatory fun, like you you go to here for lunch instead of the chow hall. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't remember why exactly. I, I think it was because I was a poor airman. Like for whatever reason, I didn't get like a meal. I just got chili cheese fries and I got back and I remember eating them and feeling guilty because I was like, they're watching me. But I was like, no, that's crazy, Chris. And then I got back and it was true. And they tried to write me up like reprimand Stop. me. I'm so Are serious. You yes. And after that, like I had felt so guilty, like I vomited. And I feel like that started a chain reaction of like, I will, you know what I mean? I will do this at whatever means possible. And so I did develop, you know, 
a bit of an eating disorder because of that sort of pressure. Like I said, you, you can't tell a 19 year old girl that she's worthless because of her body. And, no, and, and you're not, 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not even, you know, 21 yet. You're no. not even, that is unreal. So they write you up for eating chili cheese fries. And then they realize like, this is completely unlawful. <laughs> and so they had to get, get rid of it. And um, I think that they realized it because, um, that that PTL who was uh, running with me, he went and he was like, if you guys do this, I'm reporting you to like, oh, yeah. you know, outside organizations because this is ridiculous. Was that the only oh, I'm glad that he did that. Yeah. Like, thank God for him. So did that behavior like persist or was that like a one time thing? No, it, it definitely persisted because um, like, like I said, it, it's just this weird series of events like they closed down our chow hall. So they gave us BAS, but it's a dorm of 300 with one kitchen. And so, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy, but at the same time, it's negative 45 degree wind chill and I have <sighs> to walk to the BX. And so I'm picking up like canned goods because by the time you get like, you know, a salad home, it's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, so there was this weird like turmoil with me where it was like, I need to eat so that I can work out because that was my life. Right. But then it was like, but I'm, e I know I'm eating the wrong things. And so, you know, I just, I don't know. There, there were definitely times where I was, I would feel so guilty for eating or, you know, consuming what I knew was bad that, yeah, I, I would, I would throw up. And so, and a lot of times with PT, I was pushing myself so hard that I would be nauseous and dizzy anyway. So I would just skip meals. Right. I'm sh and I'm sure with, all of this going on, you couldn't have still been focused the way you should be on your actual job, right? Like no. when it's time to sit down and work, your head is probably not in it, right? And right. in financing, it's all numbers, you know what I mean? Yes. Like you need to be very meticulous about your work. So do you think maybe that would have ever dawned on them? Yeah. You know what Exa I mean? Well, exactly, no, it didn't. And you know, there were things in my work like, you know, flipping numbers or, you know, yeah. miswriting comments or something. And, and instead of being like, maybe <laughs> we should, you know, find out what's going on in her life it was just like well let's write her up so right oh my god <laughs> that is unreal that yeah. is unreal is there a happy ending to that I, I like hope I you said, can share with um, us you look good now I mean I'm oh, hoping that you. there there's a little bit of a happy ending uh like I said you know it was it was really bad at my first base but then you know I I went to my second base and it took me a while to trust leadership and it took me a while to I don't know, like come out of that mindset um, that, you know, that I was like this, this, you know, cause, uh, cause of this monster or whatever they yeah. like made you feel like you are, yeah. like, you know, not, not being able to be proud of your body or your appearance, not being able to eat what you want, not yeah. being forced to do extra PT. I mean, right. I can't imagine going through that. Yeah. So at my second base, you know, I took it upon myself to do the extra PT. Okay. You know, I was like, I'm going to show them like that. I, you know, I'm serious about this. I became a vegetarian and I was living in my own apartment. So I was buying food and I had, you know, a car. And so, you right. know, there's a lot better. All things. those luxuries. Yeah. And and actually what what happens, and I think this is providential. I think it was like God was that there was a woman who, she wasn't a finance troop, but she was in the office, because now I wasn't at a tenant unit. This was like a legit base finance office, right. where like we dealt with the public, but I was up in the budget office, so didn't even deal with them all like that. But um, she was uh, instrumental in our PT, and there, there were two 
there was me and then there was a girl who was like four one and the thing is is four that, foot one yeah yeah <laughs> wow okay and like yeah she was just super short but she was very unhealthy and she couldn't pass her sit-ups okay. and so this this um she was a master sergeant this master sergeant was the one measuring us she was the one doing this and she was the one telling the commander like lay off Sneddon. you see her you know eating the you know these protein shakes for breakfast you see her eating the salads for lunch like you see her trying you see her you know dang near passing out turning bright red while she's running like she is trying and like meanwhile this girl she's down there eating pop tarts right. you see that you are not saying <laughs> nothing to her and and this woman you know she had struggled when she was a younger urban just because she was thicker and she was like five eight and so i think that because of that you know she was a very positive force and i remember she would get on the on tumblr of all things and she would be like look at these girls like with their thigh gaps and stuff she's like don't you strive for that sneddon don't you strive for that and it mm. was like I don't, you know, she didn't know the struggles that I had gone through, but I think in a way she did, you know, yeah. I'd never opened up to her about it, like on a, on, on the level that I'm telling you, but you know, I think, like I said, it was just, it was just, you know, an unspoken bond almost. Yeah. Right. And an unspoken understanding of, of what it's like, you know, yeah. to have to meet those expectations yeah. as a female in the military. So, um, that brings us to like to current, right? So you got out, right? What year did you get out? Uh, 2014. Are you from Pittsburgh? Cause that's, you know. Yes. Okay, so, you're, so you came home. Yeah. And I met you recently, about three months ago through the Mission Continues at an all-female service project. Mm -hmm. um, was that the first kind of interaction you had with your fellow veterans? Or had you like dabbled in other service organizations and tried to connect before that? Yeah, I tried to connect before that. When I was in college, I had been to two different American legions and I had been part of the Student Veteran Association. At your school? Yeah, at my school. And what school did you go to? Uh, Western Carolina University. Oh, okay. So um, for the longest time, I was the only female. And you know how it can be where it's like, well, you're a girl, so you're not a real veteran. Or, oh, well, you didn't deploy, so you're not a real veteran. <laughs> like, you know, so... But eventually it was about my final semester that two different females showed up and it was amazing because it was just like instant connection, instant understanding, someone to talk to, you know, just automatic. And like, I'm still, I'm still friends with those women. And so coming back to Pittsburgh, I was like, well, I do want to get involved with veterans. And I was like, but I don't want it to be, you know, the, that sort of like clicky, like, well, only us who have deployed or right combat veterans who yeah. have that different type of bond right and that's fine for them right, right. you know and I, and I would never take anything away from them i have tons of compassion but it's kind of like don't kick me out like i still right. served <laughs> of course of course so i know that we had that instant connection mm -hmm. i you know created this term of endearment i call you air force you call yeah. me navy you know yeah. it was it's fun we got together we worked well together mm -hmm. you know um, on the service project so you didn't feel that way when you started joining up with the mission continues did you feel a connection there yes like yeah instantly yeah with with you you know with others and then like it was the female project and i was like all right this went well and i was like let me go to this next one and see how these guys are and they actually are really awesome too so i was like all right all right this is good oh my gosh so <laughs> we have a happy ending you got you used your post 9-11 gi bill which was your goal for joining the air force you right. got your degree in sociology sociology yes. okay and you came back to pittsburgh got together with the mission continues mm -hmm. and now we have like a little family yeah with that network right yes i know i felt the same way and on top of even just doing service projects 
you have some exciting news. You're going to be doing a fellowship, right? With the Delta class? Yes. And what type of host organizations are you interviewing for where you're going to serve? Oh, well, I'm looking into uh, the Bible Center in Homewood because okay. um, the faith-based organizations are are good for me. So I also was looking into the the SHIM, which is like an interfaith, okay. which is interesting. I, You know, that, that would be probably, you know, me stepping out a little bit. Getting um, out of your comfort zone, like being filmed on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, even the food bank community okay. in Pittsburgh. And I was like, that's that's really cool because one of our projects for Mission Continues was to help with the Pittsburgh food bank. Right, right. And I really liked that because... That sounds like a good fit for you. Yeah. At the food bank. Mm-hmm. And you can eat whatever you want this time, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean is, is that I feel like um, you want to talk about now, like I'm a very good cook. And so I feel like my cooking has really helped me. I mean, I've always had an interest, but like it's, it's helped me have a more positive relationship with food. That's going to wrap us for today, Carissa. Thank you for stopping by and taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, I told you it would go fast. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of Longest War. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app. 